We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From your favorite source for Chicago White Sox talk, delivering news, interviews, analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine Podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson. Welcome to another episode of the Sox Machine Podcast. I'm Josh Nelson. We've been busy the last couple of days as the trade trade deadline is near. And the White Sox made one big move already as we record this episode by sending Lucas Giolito and Renato Lopez to the Los Angeles Angels. There's more work to be done if the plan is unloading on all expiring contracts before Tuesday's deadline. Join me to discuss what the White Sox have done, what they could do before the deadline, and what the outlook appears to be for the 2024 season is our best friend of the show. You can read his work on fangraphs.com. It's Dan Zaborski. And Dan, great to chat with you again. How is the Major League Baseball trade deadline activity keeping you? Well, so far, it hasn't been big yet. Uh, I think all the Otani talk kind of slowed everything down. But now it looks like things are starting to happen. Uh, Hopefully they won't happen like it's Sunday at like 3 a.m. when I'm asleep and I wake up (laughs) and have to write 20 articles. But uh, uh, trade deadline is one of those fun times a year. uh, And then you kind of need to sleep for a week after it. Yeah. I learned about the Lucas Giolito trade as I was walking home from the White Sox Cubs game and I get through the front door and then Jeff Passon's tweet hits the feed and it's like, oh, well, I guess I have to, along with Jim Margulis, start working and uh, (laughs) recapping uh, what just happened. And that's kind of how I feel my upcoming weekend is going to be, is going to be waiting to see what the White Sox do. And Let's start off, Dan, with what do you make of the 2023 season for the White Sox? Where does a 41 and 62 record after 103 games, as we record this before the White Sox play against Cleveland Thursday, put them in the preseason Zips projected outcomes? Well, it actually puts them behind where they were. Uh, Zips got a lot of pushback because it had them in the mid 70s win total wise, and they're actually behind that pace now. Uh, uh, The season has not gone well which i assume everyone listening to this has noticed uh i i think they're a little behind where they are uh but yeah they're, they're a team that's at a crossroads right now i'm not sure they 
they know they're as much at a crossroads as they actually are. Well, what do you mean by at the crossroads? Like what, what are the directions? Is it a fork in the road or are there multiple directions? Do you think they could go? I, I, they're giving all the appearances from what they've said and what they've hinted that they want to, they don't want to unload players who they think will be back in 2024 and contributing. Cause I think that, that they're, that they'll bounce back. I'm not sure that's actually going to be what happens. I think to fix this team, you need to add quite a bit of talent that's good in 2024. And here's the problem. The guys who are leaving this year, they have to replace them already before you even improve on this year's team. You can't just hang around and hope everything is going to be okay. And this is not a team that I, I don't think are going out there. They're not going to sign Shohei Otani to a $500 million contract this year. I don't think no. anyone disagrees with that. It'd be super cool if they did, uh, because to be honest, that would be exactly what the White Sox could use. But I don't think that's the case. I don't know how this team gets back to being good in 2024. I think that window is is a little closed now, and it would require very aggressive spending, trading of the of the, of the farm system to get there. Uh, so I don't think this dipping your toes into a retool is sufficient at this point. Uh, I kind of like to go back to uh, Karate Kid. Uh, bear with me. Uh, Mr. Miyagi gave a speech uh, to, to uh, Daniel San about making decisions, uh, saying you have to you know, go left or go right or squish like grape. Uh, <laughs> you can't compete. You can either compete or you can, you can compete now or you can compete later. You can't sort of compete and sort of trade players and sort of improve. It, it doesn't work. You just become an 80-win team forever. Uh, the the Sox just, I, I I don't know if they can get back to it. And I don't know if it's necessarily just a negotiating ploy to try to get richer offers for, for players like, like Dylan Cease or, or Tim Anderson. Uh, it's, it, there's, it's a real complicated dynamic in the White Sox front office right now. When you think of how many layers of decision-making they are on top of uh, being a team at the so-called crossroads. Well, let's talk about what has happened, and we'll get into the hypotheticals in a moment here, podcast listeners. Lucas Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez, the Angels. You could watch or listen to my recap in the previous episode in either your podcast feed or on youtube.com slash Sox Machine. The Angels, Dan, they got some work to do to catch Texas and Houston, the American League West, as well as everyone else in the American League wildcard race, which pretty much includes every team in the American League East. How does Gilito and Lopez help the Angels? Yeah, the Angels are offers weren't quite on the level that they were hoping to get. Once they decide that, they need to go pretty much all in. If you're if you're gonna push your chips, it you have to push your chips. This is a team that they do not have a commanding lead in any race. Uh they're like seventh or eighth in the uh, the AL standings for wild cards. Obviously, three of those will be division winners, but this is a team that needs help. They need to, if 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 they're going for it, they have to actually go for it. And, you know, Giolito's a nice start. I think they should do more than that. I, I think they should be after, you know, Marcus Stroman and, and, and Bellinger from the Cubs. I think they should be talking about anyone who has value. Uh, we'll, we'll see just how determined the Angels are because they should be because 
I don't see a great future for this team post Otani. No, I I don't think anyone really does. Does this really improve as far as their playoff odds, though? I think that's the question for everyone outside of Anaheim is it's great that the Angels are especially demonstrated demonstrated to Otani that they're still serious about this year, even though we're all waiting to see what version of Mike Trout comes back off the injured list in the month of August. Does this greatly improve the Angels postseason odds by adding Lucas Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez, or is this kind of like a, a false effort? I'm I'm not sure I call it a false effort. Obviously, it's not going to add like four wins to them, but I think you could you could say about a win would be added to the team. Uh, I mean, Anderson and Canning haven't been great. You look at their FIP. Really, nobody has the upside of being the ace. And Giolito obviously hasn't been where he was a few years ago, but he's probably the pitcher on the Angels now, outside of Otani, who has the most upside. Uh, if if he's at, you know, 2019 to 2021 levels, they have a legitimate ace starter. And if the Angels do get into the playoffs, th- having that that talent on the front end is extremely important. Uh, playoffs reward that kind of thing because you get a disproportional number of your innings from your top three starters. Uh, and right now it's 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 kind of a mad bunch. It's not terrible. It's not a terrible rotation, but Giolito could be an ace for them. And I think that at this point of the season, you want got you're not going to necessarily get a guy who's guaranteed to be an ace because if they were, you'd have to give a lot more than that, uh, than than they gave up. So I do think it helps the Angels, but they, it's not, it was necessary, but it, it's not sufficient in and of itself. They have to do more. So that's the Angels' point of view. I want to talk about Giolito for a moment from his point of view with this trade, Dan. We always talk about this when guys that are on expiring deals get traded mid-season, the benefit of not having that qualifying offer attached to them in free agency. Do you think this helps improve what could be a substantial contract that Lucas Chilito signs in this offseason? He'll only be 29 years old. And I keep, I keep circling back to especially with how much starting pitchers make and the variety of quality starting pitchers that are making 20 plus million a year. I think it's, it's not crazy to suggest that Giolito could sign a five year, hundred plus million dollar contract in the off season, especially with teams so starved for starting pitching. And I think not having that qualifying offer helps Giolito's future market. Do you agree with my assessment? I think it always helps because teams do take that in consideration and kind of it, it factors into an offer. But I think the good news for him is that He's at least unless something very bad happens the next couple months, he's kind of in that category where he's in the in the in the top tiers of pictures that who are available uh, this winter. So it's not something that's going to scare people away. It might tamp in the high end, the final total of the offer. Uh, if if he had one, obviously, now that, that he's traded, it's not an issue. But in that situation, I don't think it necessarily would have really suppressed his 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 money all that much but it's better not to have that attached to you than have it attached to you so uh i I, i'd be quite pleased uh if i were him eric loggenhagen using the future value scale for fangraphs ranking prospects put a 50 grade on the white Sox return of edgar cuero and a 40 future value grade on left-handed pitcher kai bush 
Do you like this return for the White Sox? There's a lot of people around the industry that think Edgar Cuero is one of the top catching prospects and a top 100 prospect in Major League Baseball. Yeah, uh, he's he's widely in that top. He's he's considered a you know a a, a guy whose offense is 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 already nearly there. Uh, Zips before the season had him pretty quickly as a as a two win player on the strength of his bat. Uh, the question is is how confident defensively you are, and he he's still kind of you know a work in progress on that end. Uh, I, I think there's a good chance, though, given his age, because he's only 20 uh, this year, and that has to be taken into consideration when doing any kind of projection, that he might not necessarily have to be a catcher to have value in the majors. Uh, you're not, I think, what it comes down to is for two months of Giolito, you're not going to get Gunnar Henderson from anyone. It's just, <laughs> it's just how it works. Yeah. Uh, teams are are more reluctant to give away elite prospects than they ever used to be. You get someone in the top hundred prospects, just him being there for a rental. I mean, you you can be pretty happy with that. Uh, the Sox are going to need probably sooner than later to start looking past Grandal. He's on the downside of his career. I I don't think there's any dispute over that. Uh, so. I don't know if they would necessarily get a better name than than, than him for uh, uh, who they gave up. And and when you're talking about getting an infield prospect, that has been a sore spot for the White Sox the last few years. The Adventures of Second Base, where they just kind of assume a second baseman will just show up to camp like 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 the Messiah coming from the heavens, which <laughs> hasn't happened. I I don't think I'd describe any of the players who have played second for them the last two years as as any kind of savior for anything ever uh i i i like the trade i think the white Sox got you know fair value for him uh for giolito uh, i there's really not too much to complain about really the biggest acts are visiting chicago this summer on top of all the baseball games and other great concerts theater shows too it could be quite the chore and headache trying to secure tickets to all of these shows and events. Buying tickets shouldn't be stressful. Use GameTime to purchase your tickets. GameTime is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for sports, music, comedy, theater near you. They've got killer deals on last-minute tickets, and their best price guarantee helps eliminate stressing over tickets. If you find tickets in the same section or even row for less, GameTime will credit you 110% of the difference. That's why GameTime is the fastest growing ticketing app in the country. Download the GameTime app, create your account, and get $20 off your first purchase using our promo code SOXMACHINE. Terms and conditions apply. Again, create an account and use our promo code SOXMACHINE for $20 off your first ticket purchase. GameTime. Last-minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You mentioned Yes Money Grandal. He's part of this collection of expiring contracts for the White Sox that is being reported they're trying to move before Tuesday's deadline. It includes pitchers Lance Lynn, reliever Joe Kelly, reliever Keenan Middleton. Of course, I mentioned Grandal. All of these players have expiring contracts. Joe Kelly and Lynn do have club options for the following year, but it sounds like if they get traded that they want some type of assurance that those club options will not be picked up. Out of these four players, who do you think is most likely to be traded from the White Sox in the upcoming days, Dan? I think Lynn is because Lynn, I mean, he feels like there's still something there. Uh, Obviously, the ERA is pretty bloated, but you look at his problems. One, he's been, you know, very home run prone this year and home runs, home run rate for a picture is extremely volatile. When a home run rate for a pitcher spikes, that's frequently a bit of an outlier. Uh, we've I've had this conversation in the past for pitchers like Corbin Burns after that season. He had like what, like 16 home runs in 50 innings or something. Uh, uh, Andrew Heaney a few years ago. Uh, I, I think that teams are going to look past that. Now, he hasn't been good otherwise, but he still misses bats. I mean, he actually has his best strikeout rate of his career, as weird as it is. Uh, and I don't know, you, you hear the Dodgers and Rays talking about Lynn and perhaps this is a bit of, 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 uh, subconscious bias or actually conscious bias, but if the Rays and Dodgers who have good records with this are both super interested in someone, then I kind of want to look at him and say, okay, maybe he is interesting. Hmm. Uh, at, at the, at the very least he's, he's, he's healthier this year than last year. And when he's fine, he can eat innings, which does have value, especially for a team like the Dodgers, who has had a lot of injuries to to deal with and and is surprisingly shallow uh, these days in the rotation. Uh, I think Lynn's the most likely. I think Grandal is going to be hard to move because the thing is, he's not playing very well. Uh, and if he's not bringing much offensively, then his defense is no longer going to sell him especially because i i think that a team that takes him isn't going to want to pay for the last two months of his contract yeah it's it's a hefty price for yes money grandal similar price to lance lynn but teams are willing to pay for pitching i don't know how many teams are going to pay for a aging backup catcher slash dh that's having a tough time slugging over 400 right now so i agree with you dan grandal could be more difficult to move are you surprised, based on your previous comment about the White Sox at a crossroads, are you surprised to hear that Dylan Cease is not available this trade deadline? I'm I'm still not at the point where I'm positive he's not available. I'd still be trying to convince the White Sox about it. Uh, again, the White Sox have a complicated dynamic in the front office right now because you have Han, you have Williams, you have uh, 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 Reinsdorf. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't think there's necessarily uh, complete un- unanimity in, in their thinking uh, 
I, I compare it a lot to the Orioles before Mike, before they uh, hired Mike Elias, when you kind of had the ownership on one hand and Brady Anderson hanging around and Dan Duquette and, and Larry Lucchino. Um, I, I'm still not sure when it comes to the White Sox, what they mean and what is posturing. And that's always the trick with talking with general managers and, and people in front offices, especially around the trade deadline is a lot of things are said aren't necessarily said because they're they're strictly accurate, but for an effect or for a purpose. Uh, I I try to take team pronouncements uh, uh, with a grain of salt. Uh, I think back some years ago, uh, J.P. Ricciardi, when he was the GM of the Blue Jays, I forget the player involved, but he swore that there was no trading with that player even being talked about. And then like 45 minutes later, they traded that player. And it's like, yeah, there, it was being talked about. You guys didn't just think of it in the last half an hour. <laughs> uh, I I think that there are packages out there that should have the White Sox considering trading seats. It's right now. It's a good market for sellers. There are a lot more buyers than sellers out there, and there's a package out there that is going to be, you know, say, hey, like if the Orioles offered, you know, Jordan Westberg and Heston Kerstad, can you really turn that down? Right. Uh, for two years of C's, uh, especially because someone like Westberg can actually bring value to the lineup pretty quickly. There's no waiting around for Westberg. Kerstad's hitting super well on the high minors. Uh, you could go out and sign uh, a, a picture in the offseason. I, I I just don't – I don't tend I, – I don't trust when people say something's untouchable or not going to happen. Yeah, I'm not I, – I don't believe – the White Sox when they say they're going to try to contend in 2024, because I think it's just such a far-fetched idea. And I've been saying this on repeat and even in my weekly hits on six, every, the score with Dan Bernstein and Lawrence Holmes, like I don't want to gaslight White Sox fans and I don't want to blow smoke up their butt by saying, Oh, everything's going to be much better in 2024. The only pitchers the White Sox have under contract are Dylan Cease and Michael Kopech. There's a mutual option for Mike Clevenger that I don't think is going to get picked up by the White Sox. So you got to find three starting pitchers just to have a roster for opening day. And I can understand the hesitancy of moving Dylan Cease, Dan, because if you move Cease, well, now we got to find four guys, right? But you can get a starting pitcher back in return for Cease. And if you're looking to retrench or reload in 2024, shed a lot of this payroll from core players are going to be moving on. Yohan Mikata could be moved on after the 2024 season, as well as Tim Anderson, that you'll have a pretty low payroll to work for work under in 2025 to spend if you want to try to be competitive again in 2025, I just think it's so far-fetched in 2024. And Cease, his last year control, Dan, is in 2025. And he's a Scott Boris client. Those guys don't sign with the White Sox, okay? <laughs> they just don't. They, they usually leave the White Sox. So you really only have two more years to be competitive with Dylan Cease. And from my perspective, again, if I don't think Cease and the White Sox are going to be that competitive in 2024, and Otani is not available in the trade market. If Dylan sees was seriously available right now, Dan, I have to imagine he would be the most attractive 
tradable player in the market. And to your point, Baltimore, LA, these teams that have many top 100 prospects would be calling it. And this could be the type of move. Sure. doesn't help you in 2024, but it could help start building around Luis Robert and be competitive again in 2025. Like I, I'm a bit dumbfounded that cease is really not all that available, or at least that's what's being publicly made. And you, you also get to the problem with uh, what does the, what does the front office really think? Because maybe they do have an unrealistic view of how good the right. team will be last year. I think that they had an unrealistic view of how good the team was this year. I know I was talking at the start of the year that as long as everything was healthy and every plan worked out, it looked great coming into the season but that every time things went wrong, they never had plan Bs. I think a Colossus in, in right field, they just decided that he was going to be good enough, and they didn't really think, what happens if he's not? Because, I mean, his projections were pretty awful coming into the season, uh, and unlike a lot of projections, I don't think that you can really say they were wrong because – if anything, they were too optimistic uh, coming into the season. I mean, Zips had him as a 237, 283, 408 hitter starting in right field, which is not going to cut it. Uh, he's been, you know, way worse than that. Right. Like 150 points of OPS worse than that. But there wasn't really much thinking about what happens if if he's not good? What happens if Moncada doesn't bounce back? What happens if Grandal doesn't hit better when healthy? What happens if there's a picture injury or or any of a number of things that happen over the course of the season? They, there should have been better options than, than there were, but the team took a very kind of lackluster approach last winter. They figured we're done and everything will be okay, and that is usually a pretty bad idea. Uh, but this is this team's just such a mess for next season. I it's logical that they trade cease, but I don't quite know if they have the stomach to do something difficult. Yeah, that that's a really good point. That the do they have I don't really want to say courage, but I think you put it well, Dan. Do they have the stomach? Does Rick Khan have the stomach to make this type of trade? He's done it in the past. I mean, he traded Jose Quintana, he traded Chris Sale, and that helped, but that they had a set plan in place that they knew that they're gonna be rebuilding. I think they're trying to sell everyone right now. We're not going to be that bad in 2024. And there's nobody in the city of Chicago that is buying that sales job. So that's where it's very difficult right now. Nobody's buying what the White Sox front office is trying to sell, which leads to our last topic in this episode of the podcast. And that's Tim Anderson. Let's start off with what Tim Anderson is currently. What do you make of Tim Anderson in 2023, Dan? I mean, obviously, the injury kind of creates an additional difficulty uh, evaluating him. But he did last last year when healthy. He did show a lot of his, his power was missing. I'm not convinced that the White Sox are 100% sure on that. Uh, given the team's stance on spending. And and the fact is he's been really, really awful this season, even playing well very recently. He's, he's it's when he's been healthy, it has not been good at all. Uh, I, I, I don't know what to do with Tim Anderson. And the fact is if a team's willing to give, you know, really good prospects for him, 
even despite his setbacks the last year and a half or so. I I don't know how you refuse it. Yeah, that's really fascinating on the, the club option part because I've been wondering that for a few weeks. Now, he has been playing better since the All-Star break, but to your point, Dan, it's mm-hmm. there's no power. And let's face it, when you get into the postseason, home runs are so important. Home runs are so important when it comes to the playoffs that I don't know if Tim Anderson really helps a playoff team in their chances of winning the pennant. Uh, if he's not going to start pulling the ball in the air and start putting the ball over the fence. And I don't know when we're going to see that. It's been more than a calendar year and nothing's been all that close since the Oakland series where a grand slam just went foul on Tim Anderson. That's really the only deep fly he's had. That's been a threat of being a home run uh, this entire season. You mentioned a team possibly trading for Anderson and maybe offering top prospects. According to Jesse Rogers of ESPN and of ESPN 1000 AM in Chicago, he wrote that the Miami Marlins are starting to call about Tim Anderson. What do you make of that particular hypothetical, Dan? What does, what need does Miami have of Tim Anderson? Well, I, I I think that the idea is they're probably do a little more shuffling uh, with, with their uh, roster. If they get it, Uh, they do have, players who are experienced in the middle infield and in the outfield. Uh, I think when it comes down to it, you don't say, Hey, you know what? Joey Wendell, we can't push past him. Uh, uh, No, Joey Wendell isn't going to prevent anyone from not from, from making a trade. uh, Let's just say, and the Marlins, they do look competitive. Uh, They could use some offense. If there's a match, I don't think I would, necessarily you know turn it down and on the options issue i mean uh i've seen lots of situations in which there's no way a team would ever turn down an option and then they did i remember a couple years ago wade miley uh you know had a era under three and a half for the reds and they didn't pick up a one-year 10 million dollar option i think of colton wong and the cardinals a few years ago uh I, I think there's out there's a possibility the Marlins trade something for Anderson and either pick up his option if he plays well or or turn it down because let's be honest the Marlins don't like spending money ever <laughs> uh, but uh I mean they're not going to get a huge return for Anderson but I think you do have to consider it and again it comes down to what does the organization think what are their goals for 2024 and I'm not sure that we know the extent of their thinking internally in this case. Yeah. I wish we did because again, to like, and just how I feel about 2024, I don't like the white Sox chances. So if you can get something for Tim Anderson right now, that's probably the direction I would go. I know this has been a debate where white Sox fans make the point that you could maybe hold on to Anderson and maybe he does pick up his play in August and September and his value increases where when you pick up that option, then you trade him during the offseason. Kind of a situation like the White Sox at Craig Kimbrell uh, and what they attempted to do, but that took like a week before the opening day, before the White Sox traded Kimbrell for uh, A.J. Pollock. Uh, weird trade, reminiscing on that. So <laughs> I, I don't know. I guess there's been a debate within circles here in Chicago. If you trade Anderson, are you trading him at his lowest value? And 
I can understand that thinking, Dan, but I don't know how much more value he's going to produce if this is what he is in August and September. Yeah, that that's kind of the question. And the thing is, when you're trading a player at the trade deadline, you are giving – they're going to have – first, they're going to have more value than when you're trading them for a single year and can only affect one pennant race. And two, you get particularly high leverage – at the deadline because teams can't go out and find better solutions in free agency, uh, which, which is the risk here. If you decide to wait until the winter, I, I think it comes down to what the offers are. If, if they just say the Marlins offer, okay, here's our 18th best prospect, uh, an injured pitcher who can throw 98 and walk seven batters a game for single a, then you say, hey, you know what? This is this is trading him at, at a bad time. This isn't really all that appealing. Uh, but I think if you get a good offer and this trade deadline is configured for teams to get good offers when they're offering a valuable player, um, I, I, I I think it's, it's something you really have to consider hard. Well, you can read Dan's work on Fangraphs.com and follow him on Twitter at DZamborski. Again, we're expecting more news from the Chicago White Sox before Tuesday's deadline, and I'm sure we'll reconvene with Dan sometime sometime in August just to see on how quickly the 2023 White Sox fall off the cliff, but also look ahead to 2024 and, and what else the White Sox could do and what even that team looks like and what Zips has to say. But Dan, as always, man, thank you so much for taking the time and joining us on the Sox Machine Podcast. Always fun, Josh. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Sox Machine Podcast. If you just discovered the Sox Machine Podcast, you can subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts such as Spotify and Apple Music. We also upload our podcasts into our YouTube channel on youtube.com slash Machine. So if you prefer video, you can be able to watch the podcast there. You can also follow us on Twitter. We're at Sox Machine. You can follow me on Twitter at Sox Machine underscore Josh. Those are also our handles at Instagram and also on threads as that's a new social media platform. If you enjoy our work and want more, you can get more by becoming a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash Machine, where our Patreon supporters get exclusive content, ad-free versions of both the podcast and website, and when we have new Sox Machine swag, like our new t-shirts, I Heart Wild Pitch Offense, they're the first ones to receive it. Monthly plans start at $2, or you can save with an annual subscription. Again, sign up at patreon.com slash Machine. The Sox Machine Podcast is a production of SoxMachine.com. You're all for all of things Chicago White Sox baseball and part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Josh Nelson. Thanks for listening and watching. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. 
Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com 